Hey everybody, this is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas for episode 103 of the Running Rogue podcast. Steve has the day off today, so I've got two very special guests that I'm super excited to talk to. And we're pretty much going to jump right in with you guys. We've got Kate Barrett on the show, who has previously been a guest. Kate, how are you? Doing well. And then we have Jesse Barnes on the show, who is a first-time guest. Jesse, how are you? Pretty good. So... As an audience out there listening, you have no idea who Jesse is. You know a little bit about Kate, but maybe not so much. But you might be wondering, well, what the heck are these two doing on together? <laughs> and I'm, ex- I'm excited as their coach to have <laughs> the two of them on. Both of these athletes, badass ladies, run with me in the morning show. It's a rogue group that meets on Wednesday mornings at 5.30 a.m. and on Saturday mornings and, of course, does lots of work on the days in between, so I get to coach them twice a week and provide a little bit of guidance outside of that. They also just recently both finished the California International Marathon, both with pretty big PRs, which we'll talk about in a second. And I wanted to bring them on as athletes to talk about that experience, training for California International Marathon, getting a couple of big PRs, Particularly because we've got two runners that are different degrees of fast, as I like to say, but that do very similar work and both had big, big goals smashed this past race at CIM. And so Kate, to give you guys a sense, was a previously a 254 marathoner going into CIM this year. She scored her Olympic trials qualifier running 243.26 for an 11-minute PR. And Jesse, not to be outdone, actually ran about a 30-minute PR. What? Previously, she <laughs> was a 457 marathoner from Chicago in 2017 and ran 427.34 at California International Marathon for a 30-minute improvement. Actually, over a 30-minute improvement if you count the seconds. So, massive. But two different degrees of fast, both following essentially the same workouts. And and so to me, the fascinating story here is to sort of be able to compare and contrast your experiences going through this training cycle. And in particular, I want to highlight the fact that two athletes that are running different paces are actually going through very similar training, very similar experiences, very similar challenges. And that's what's so beautiful about this sport is that whether you're running a 427 like Jesse or a 243 like Kate, we're all experiencing similar things. We all have to do similar work. And if you're willing to commit to the work, big results will come, as in 11-minute and 30-minute PRs from the two of you, not to mention Olympic trials qualifier from Kate. So anyway, so we're going to walk through this with both of you guys and just kind of hear your stories a little bit, talk about this particular training cycle and kind of compare and contrast your experiences. But welcome. Excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm also proud as their coach <laughs> to be able to showcase two of my very committed runners here that represent a group of athletes in the morning show. They're also all very committed that had a lot of them amazing results at at CIM as well. So I want to start with just a simple background question. I know, Kate, your experience in running is a little bit deeper and so we'll start with your background on in running. How'd you get into this sport? How did it get you to this point today? Cliff Notes version, because I know you've got a lot of chapters <laughs> in your, your running book already. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. I uh, ran in high school and then competed in college at Baylor in the 5K and the 1500 and did okay. I was all conference and then uh, ran for a couple years after college at Rogue Athletic Club, which was the post-collegiate team that we had here. And then when that dissolved in 2016, kind of didn't know where to go or what to do, but I knew I still wanted to run. So I mm, took about six or nine months and then came back in early 2017 and uh, started training for my first marathon. Which was light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yes. In August of mm-hmm. 2017? That's right. Yeah. It was outside of Seattle on it's a slight, well, it's a lot of downhill. It's a 2,000 foot drop <laughs> downhill marathon. You got a BQ on your first attempt, though. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Yeah. I ran 308 and it was really cruisy. So I thought I could do that. I mean, I thought I could BQ, but I didn't know if I could run 26 miles. <laughs> like that part sounded harder than running it fast. <laughs> <laughs> And then you join the morning show shortly yes, thereafter. Yeah, that's right. All right, Jesse, Cliff Nose version for you. How did you get into this crazy sport? Um, I just started running about five years ago. So I was 29 when I started running. Um, I'd never really been super active before that. And honestly, it was a heartbreak that brought me to running. Um, I had a couple life changes and didn't, I don't know, I was just looking for something and also needed therapy. <laughs> So um, I had a friend who said she was running in the neighborhood we lived in. And I thought, well, if if she can run here, I can run here. Because before then, I literally was like, where do you go run? Not realizing the answer was everywhere. (laughs) Um, Literally. Yeah. So that's where I started. Started with couldn't run a mile um, and just really enjoyed the process of watching myself get stronger and do things I never thought I could do. Um, And within six months, I ran my first half marathon. So I was hooked pretty quickly, um, and it all just kind of escalated from there. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly. When was your first marathon? My first marathon uh, was 2016, Austin, 2016. And then you joined the morning show about a year later, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah, like spring, like May of 2017 I joined. So I've been with Rogue about a year and a half. Yep. And you trained for Chicago with us for the first cycle with the morning show. Correct. Yeah. I ran Chicago last year, 2017. So I'll, I'll go back to you since you mentioned some life things sort of sparking your intention to get into running. Talk a little bit about what it means to you. What does this sport represent in terms of why you do it and how has that evolved at all as you've gotten into it a little bit more? Yeah, um, that's kind of a big question. It's a really big question, (laughs) but we can start small. It's also um, something I could just talk to you about for days, so I'll try and keep it a little bit more brief. Um, I just really fell in love with the way that running was a way to watch myself progress and to chase goals that were completely different than anything else in my life. Like So much of life is just school and then work, and you're trying to meet um, all these expectations of other people. And running was just a completely different thing. Like it, I mean, other than the fact that it was just something new to me in my life, um, it didn't really matter what anyone else expected. It was just me. Like no one else was getting me out of bed in the morning. No one really cares. Like they're happy for me, but coworkers and (laughs) friends and family, they're like, cool, you ran two miles. Cool, you ran 20 miles. Like it doesn't have a lot of meaning to them. But the beautiful thing about that is that it just has meaning to me. Um, and I get to own it. 
and I, I really enjoy that. It's your thing. Plus, we have to mention also that you're one of the leaders of the Sports Bra, sports bra Squad ATX, which is a group that promotes body positivity, rocking the sports bras out there with a group of other ladies. And your Instagram, give me your handle really quick. It's uh, the Jessiest. The Jessiest, at the Jessiest on Instagram. You talk a lot about that message too, right? Yeah. Um, another thing that I do love about running is it's not about what I look like. Um, I think I finally fell in love with running when I wasn't doing it to try and lose weight. I wasn't worried about how many calories I was burning. I was just out there to experience it and to feel stronger. So, I mean, again, it's just like a very different experience than I'd ever had before. Um, it just, it again, it was like all about me and my personal journey. Um, and then by extension, I really love encouraging other people to run and other women to feel strong and empowered. Um, you know, as far as sports bra squad goes, we just, we live in Austin, Texas. It gets real hot down here in the summers. And so many women still feel like they can't run without a shirt on because they're worried about what they'll look like. And we really enjoy spreading the message of it doesn't matter what you look like. Like it's amazing that you're out here and you're running and you're doing this. And it has nothing to do with what you look like. And that's so freeing and empowering. So I love that for myself. I also love spreading that message to other runners. Preach. <laughs> Kate, to you, you got into it in high school, right? So mm -hmm. talk about your journey. Yeah, um, I actually even started running when I was eight years old with my mom. So if you count that, it's 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... But the why, why, the, the why, 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 why yeah. what has um, it been for you and how has that it, evolved? It's been a lot of things. Um, when I was younger, it was like a competitive outlet. I didn't really enjoy the training like I do now. And um, it's always been a place of belonging. And um, thanks to like the, I would say just the gift that I have for it. Plus the um, enjoy, how much I enjoy it. It's just always like felt like something I was meant to do and I like any team that I've been on people have always been like hey we're happy to have you and um, I think that runners in general are super supportive so even if you're not fast I think that they everybody is typically pretty happy to have each other around so uh, belonging is a big deal and then yeah what Jesse talked about that personal improvement um, something that is going on outside of uh, outside of the rest of your life uh, just something that you can work on has been really satisfying your why has, I think, in particular been tested over the last, what, three years, four years, as mm -hmm. you went from identifying yourself as sort of a competitive runner who was competing for things, competing on teams, to a runner that's having to figure out why and what it means to you individually outside mm -hmm. of that world. So talk a little bit about that transition in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say what I'm doing now is the most fulfilled that I've ever felt as a runner and I think it's because it's the first time that I've really like owned it just for myself and I think when you're in like on teams you have this rhetoric whether or not it's true uh that's like hey I compete for the team it's like team over individual and we would say those things in my program I didn't really like feel like I was living that out so it was kind of this like covert, like I really just wanted to run for myself and that was like not valued. And so um, I felt like I had to like hide that. 
and um, now being in this rogue environment, it is still a team, but um, people are just like way more supportive of everybody having their own individual goals to chase down. Plus, you have in the middle of all that a little bit of an identity crisis of yeah, am I gonna be? competitive still right can i compete yeah. with the best around me or not <laughs> right yes. i mean so you're battling that too so mm -hmm. talk about that piece of it mm -hmm. yeah um my time in rogue athletic club was like probably the least happy that i've been as a runner at least for i mean yeah um i was just always looking around at the other people and thinking that they were that i wasn't measuring up and so um I was going to connect that to your question, but can you say it again? Well, your identity <laughs> is a fast runner. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, that I had to, like, look inside and say, okay, if you're not having the performances that you think you're capable of having, uh, does that mean that you can still do this? And, like, is it still is it still you? And so I, try, I did try to put it away for a little bit, like, okay, maybe I can just be, like, a normal person and care about my work more and try riding bikes more. And just the further I got away from running, the more I missed it. And I was like, you know, like I can still go run a sub 20 minute 5k. Like that's still fun. <laughs> and so like in 2017, I just like built, built myself back up. And like, I was really excited. Like I went and ran a rogue trail race and like I won the trail race, but it was really competitive between me and, um, Kristen Tucker. And like, it was just the most like engaged and alive that I had felt in like so long and so i was like you know this this race did not matter at all but like it felt like me and so this is this is something i want to keep doing and so the that's the main that's the core of it but the byproduct is that i am able to be competitive still which is i mean that feeds into it too well you're able to find that again right mm -hmm. by almost by letting it go mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i always wanted it i just <laughs> didn't know if i could physically get back to that place but i just decided that it would be worth trying and so I was, I was able to be patient from there. I was like, it doesn't matter what I have to do. It'll be worth it. So to draw a little bit of a parallel here, Jesse, at some point on your journey, you went from figuring out how to run a mile <laughs> and I assume covering some race distance longer than that, but maybe feeling a little bit like an imposter as somebody who hasn't done this all your life. At what point did it become something where you're like, you know what? Like I can do this. I can hang with rogue runners for example or anyone that might be doing a marathon um that's a good question it's something that definitely came in stages um i think it was a big deal the first time i thought oh my god i i think i can run a marathon because that just sounded ludicrous and like literally just not something that was available to me um i still remember like for better or worse Sorry, Teresa. I don't know. With my <laughs> friend Teresa, I remember sitting over a piece of paper and being like, on paper, we can do this. You know, like <laughs> looking at a training plan. Uh, so that was one thing. It was a very, I feel like joining Rogue has changed my perception of my place in running and what running is to me. Where um, I guess before that, like I knew I was running, right? And I was, I was training and I was following whatever plan I got from the internet. But it's an entirely different thing to show up with the team and to know that you're all doing the same workouts. Like Kate and I are doing the same workouts. So that helps help change my identity. Granted, she's doing them significantly faster than me. But um, I guess just that identity of showing up to Rogue with a room full of people who are all there to work hard and recognizing I and I am one of them 
that really changed my perception of myself and as far as like what I thought my potential might be. I love it. So with all of that as context, I want to set the table for this CIM cycle particularly. We'll start with you, Jesse. You started training with us May 2017 for Chicago. We got you ready for what we thought was going to be a better time than you were able to do on that day. You ran a 457. That was a big disappointment for us. But talk about that first rogue cycle. How did it feel? What did you learn? And then what was it like not getting what you wanted at the end? Um, yeah, I actually, actually 457 was my PR from Houston, 2017. Chicago was 507. It was not a good day for me. Um, yeah, I thought I was going to run 422 at Chicago and I ran 507. So that, uh, tells you a little bit. I did as much as that marathon day was really hard. And I asked myself a lot of questions like during the race and after the fact, um, I loved that training cycle. Like I just loved the dedication that I proved to myself that I could have. I got to know teammates. I got to know people at Rogue better. And um, it was just so rewarding. Like I felt like I'd never been in that good of shape before. I'd never felt that strong, even though I'd run three marathons prior to that. I got to see a new level of progress once, like during that training cycle. Um, Plus you, you built the aerobic foundation that would pay off this year, Absol- right? Yes, absolutely. W- like when you joined us, remind, if you remember, do you remember how many miles per week you were running before that cycle and yeah. then what you got to um, then? I mean, I think during previous marathon training cycles, I probably got up to like 30, maybe a few 40 something miles immediately before I joined in the few months leading up to joining Rogue. I mean, I was running like 20 something miles a week. So it definitely changed to be running 30 plus 40 plus miles on a regular basis, like mile weeks on a regular basis. Um, And even though Chicago didn't work out for me, and part of that's on me. Part of it, I'm still going to blame the weather a little bit. It was, it was warm that day. It was yes. warm. <laughs> um, like, when I ran Chicago, I had been training regularly for four and a half months, maybe. And so by the time I ran CIM, I never, I didn't take a break, right? Like, it took a couple of weeks to recover after Chicago, but I came right back to training. You know, I wasn't marathon training the whole time. I ran some shorter distances, but I didn't take time off I just kept running and kept working on that aerobic base and that totally paid off at CIM because by then I had an hour a year and a half of consistent training under me and I think that made the hugest difference when did you hit your first 50 mile week uh probably two probably October yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I'm sure you can look on my Instagram. I'm sure I talked <laughs> right. about it. <laughs> right. But you you went from. Well, I mean, I remember when we first sat down, we, we had to talk about medium long runs. We had to talk about how we were going to carefully build your miles and then put together really a plan that would be a long term plan. Right? right. I remember also talking to you when we first talked about how. I didn't really care about Chicago so much. I just cared about the process and getting you embedded in our process. And we went to work on that. 
and Chicago didn't matter because it was a part of a longer term journey that ultimately culminated in now. So with you, Kate, it was a little bit different in that you were a 1500 5k <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. runner had trained for your, when you joined us as the morning show, you had trained for this first marathon, but you had done what an 18 miler or something ahead of that. You had not yeah. even done a 20 miler yet right. right? before you joined the morning show. We did a little crash course for CIM last year where you got to think one 20 miler in, if I remember right. Yes. <laughs> but talk about your mileage journey, because I know you've been in different places. You've been mm-hmm. high, you've been low, but we were struggling or you had, you've struggled with a little bit with injury and also mm-hmm. just mentally staying engaged at higher mileage levels. So, how has that evolved for you in the mm-hmm. last 18 months? Yeah, yeah. That's been a really interesting part of this uh, journey because basically I thought to run marathons, I would need to run like a lot more mileage than I'm running, but that hasn't been true. So <laughs> um, in, I would say high school, I probably topped out at like 45 miles per week. College, I did 55 at most. And then that was with like 13, 14 mile long runs. And then... Um, Rogue AC, I was doing, I think, even 65s at my peak. But it's just you can look in my Strava every single time I hit, like, 65. I could hold it for three or four weeks. And then it would be, oh, like, that's a 30-mile. What happened? Oh, you got hurt. So you would think I would have, like, learned more. But, again, it was always comparing to other people. And I just wanted to do more and more because I thought that was how I was going to be successful. So when I came back on my own training for that first marathon, I was like, I don't care how low it is. I just want to be healthy. And so I started out with a goal to hit 30 miles per week. Um, So training for that first one, I did, I think I got up to 45. And then um, with morning show, uh, even went like a little bit lower initially. And then um, for uh, this build, I hit 50 for the first time this summer and was able to, I peaked at 55. Uh, maybe 56 and that's like with a 22 mile Saturday long run and one big thing is I only run five days a week I think that cuts it from typically I've been doing six or seven days a week programs and what does yours look what did yours look like at the peak Jesse for like weekly mileage I peaked at 60 yeah and six days a week I believe yeah I run six days a week so both of you 55 for Kate 60 Mm -hmm. for Jesse running five or six days a week we talk about miles matter a lot on this podcast. And I think the important thing to note there is that it's an individual journey and everybody has mm-hmm. to find that mileage level that is going to be sustainable. And for Kate, we, when I was talking to you, it was like, we know over 60 is a danger zone a little mm-hmm. bit. So let's stay below that and still try to get what we need. And the big thing we need to do for you was build that long run mileage because mm-hmm. you hadn't had a lot of history of 18 plus. Right long runs so when we trained for cim last year where you ran a 254 we got in one one 20 miler i think Mm -hmm. maybe an 18 miler with some pace work at the very end Mm -hmm. so but then this whole last year we've spent you had you trained for boston and a big part of that was just getting more long runs under mm-hmm. your belt. We didn't so much care what the outcome was at Boston. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Good thing that was true because <laughs> of the weather. But you mm-hmm. got in more long runs for that cycle. And mm-hmm. then certainly by the time we got around to CIM cycle this time around, mm-hmm. we had a steady diet of 20 milers with pace work in some of those. And obviously you, Jesse, did the same thing. 
I think you guys had pretty similar schedules. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many 20 milers you did for this? I counted. Stamp? I think it was only five or s- I think five. Five <coughs> or six. Yeah. And Jesse, yeah, you I had think, more. I think maybe? I ended up with five. Okay. Yeah. 20 mile plus mileage. Yeah, I think yeah. you had one scheduled for run for the water weekend, but oh, I, re- right. I did we the race instead. Yeah, I got like 17 that day or something. I didn't <coughs> run 20. So <laughs> ultimately <laughs> it was about, you know, finding those mileage spots that worked for you individually. And then also, of course, having the, the long run there. Mm-hmm. We'll go to you, Jesse, on this question. As you think back to the beginning of this cycle, which we we started at least a uh, what we called sort of a transition phase from May until July and then really went to work on CIM in August. What were the key things that you were trying to focus on? Um, I mean, definitely consistent training, although I'm pretty, usually pretty good about that, like barring any unforeseen circumstance. Um, it was a really big deal to me to get my medium long runs up to higher mileage Previously, I mean, before I joined Rogue, I didn't know what a medium long run was. Um, And then last cycle before Chicago, I think I got up to eight or 10 miles and I thought that was crazy. Um, But this time around, I was like, I'm going to get that to 12. (laughs) I'm going to freaking do it, even if it meant I run before work. And so I was getting up at 415 on Mondays, which is a hell of a way to start a week. Um... But I, that was really important to me. Like medium long runs are a really big deal to me. And I was very happy the way that I was able to keep them up and like slowly but surely progress them into higher mileage. Um, so that was big. And then just more 20 milers, which I actually believe you referenced an email that I sent you on this podcast where you're talking about marathon training and you're talking about how an athlete sent you an email that was like, uh, are you sure? Are you you sure we should run this many 20 plus milers? That was me. Um, Not that I don't trust Rogue's training. I was just like. It's a good dialogue, right? But is that, but for me, like Jesse Barnes is supposed to run six 20 plus milers. Um, And I did it and I felt pretty dang good for most of them. Yeah. And I actually had like a moment of panic when I finally put in, it got to the point I had to put long runs into my calendar because I was making plans around them, like on the weekends. (laughs) Right. Like your social calendar. I can't go out of town if I have like a 22 miler with work. It's just not going to happen. No. And so I put them all in and then it was like, I think the month of October, it was like 18 next week, 20 break. 2022 or maybe even like all 20 for like four (laughs) out of the five Saturdays and I was like holy uh is this really gonna happen but we did it (laughs) did it so the medium long run key unsung hero of marathon training in my opinion as a coach Kate you got yours to 10 I believe right yes yeah I actually used to do 12 with Rogue AC um but once I got like a full-time job I stopped doing I just like it was so hard to get a continuous hour and 45 they take me about hour 45 um which I know Jesse takes even longer (laughs) slightly longer I've seen her uh I I mean yeah there was a few times when I looked at like Jesse's training and she was like pretty tired from my run today but got it in and I was like she ran for like over two hours this morning like what have I done impressive it is so impressive (laughs) to me yeah I mean that kind of dedication is unbelievable what would it take to get up that early and to just keep doing those medium long runs Jesse um, having company helps a lot. Um, luckily I had moved into a new neighborhood with, and someone that we knew each other mostly through social media and the occasional like rogue run down here, but she runs with rogue Cedar park. And she was like, Hey, 
what are you doing in my neighborhood? Like, can we, do you want to run? And I was like, God bless you. Yes, please. So, um, Kat was kind enough to meet me for almost all of those medium long runs. And that helped tremendously. Um, and let's be honest, I did not have much of a social life, this training cycle, like, you weren't going out on Sunday nights? No, Sunday <laughs> nights, 8 p.m. I was like, all right, guys, got to gotta start getting ready for bed. Got to get up early. <laughs> I mean, that commitment and discipline is unbelievable and really, really cool and inspiring. Yours was a little more freelance, right, Kate? Mm-hmm. How did how did you fit together your schedule this cycle? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we had a plan, but you weren't as rigid about <laughs> 4.15 wake-ups on no, Mondays. I know. I, I feel like the only thing that would make me wake up that early to run i mean i wake up at five sometimes but 4 15 would be like if i like had a crystal ball and it told me the only way you will meet your goals will be wake up at 4 15 <laughs> i would be like okay i'll do it <laughs> but um i mean you're not exactly slacking yeah you still get up and run a lot <laughs> no, of um, definitely not yeah slacking. the the 10 milers um uh yeah i almost never got up to do them before work because it was just like you had to I, I just like i don't know it would start like seeming like a worse and worse idea at like 10 30 on a sunday night i was like do i really want to get up at six and kate's um, a night owl too so. yeah <laughs> um i did a couple after work with um people from other people i had i have my night owl friends from rogue we've we found each other so my teammate austin would run with me sometimes or katie hugh stewart was a good uh later evening buddy and then uh, sometimes I would move them w- Monday's the day they were written. Sometimes I would do them on Thursday if I didn't get it in. Um, it was pretty, that's one of the great things about the five day schedule is you have so much flexibility. So, um, I got most of them in and, uh, one time I had like, I was like, okay, I have 90 minutes till this conference call. And I like ran out my door at my office and like, I ran like a seven thirty pace one, which was pretty fast, <laughs> but, uh, Got him in. You were also creative about fitting in runs to and from work and at yeah. lunchtime. Mm-hmm. You've got the run commute down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of fun with that. I did that earlier in the summer. I haven't done it as much lately. But yeah, if it was like in the beginning, I think medium long was only eight miles. So maybe I would run like six on the way to work and then four on the way home and break it up, but add a little bit more. Another big building block for both of you this cycle was adding in strength work. We had a, a run strength program with our partners here in this space, CrossFit Gym, uh, sort of that share space with us. Their coach, Davis, wrote a program for our runners that specifically periodized along with the CIM build. So it wasn't CrossFit per se, but it was very much power oriented. We got to pretend. And we got to <laughs> pretend, yeah. And, and so you guys were doing 30-minute sessions twice a week with, with Davis, working on power moves, back squats, deadlifts, that kind of fun stuff, push press. So talk a little bit about that. We'll start with you, Jesse. How did that contribute, you think, to this cycle? I think that made a huge difference. Um, I mean, runners are kind of historically bad about doing strength training because we all just want to run all the miles and not do anything else. Um, But, I mean, for starters, I just enjoyed the class. It was getting out of my comfort zone a little bit, trying something new. Um, so just that was exciting. It like spiced up the training a little bit just from running every morning. Um, but over time, I really started to feel a difference. Like, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what any one element in your training cycle, like exactly what output you're getting from that. But as the training cycle went on, I just started to think of the word resilience because I felt like I was building resilience. Some of that is the aerobic fitness, but 
I mean, I ran a bunch of miles last year and then I ran a bunch of miles this year. And the biggest difference in training was, um, that strength work. And it made, I just feel like, I feel like after quality work and after long runs, I bounced back a lot quicker. I didn't have lingering fatigue as much. And so even my recovery runs the day after were like, not, you know, not like an event to be endured. Like they just felt fine. Right. (laughs) Nice. How was that for you, Kate? Yeah. uh, Yeah, definitely. She described it really well about that being able to recover. Um, I feel it too. If I'm like running hills, um, you just don't get like achy, uh, your long runs, you can go longer before they start hurting. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I lifted before and had a lot of success with it, um, last year. So, and I mean, even as far back as in college. So I would say like, I, I wouldn't, I would never bother like training without lifting because I just think I would get broken immediately. And, um, yeah, I like the, this program specifically cause I was still, that's a big thing for me is just like any, anything that I do with my training, I want to still be learning. And so uh, I learned a lot of like the barbell we hadn't done. I hadn't done the like Olympic lifts before. So that was really fun. And like Jesse said, it was a lot. This is the class. We had a good time. It was not 30 minutes. Uh, I was almost always there for like 45 <laughs> at least. So it's kind of a running joke. I was like, sorry, dude. Kate was always the last one done. <laughs> yeah. Twice a week though, Precise. 30 to 45 minutes. Yes. With your team rogue or morning show teammates, which was yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. But important, especially I think for the course that we were training for, CIM, with s- certainly with the downhills, but also you had the uphills that at least having seen it firsthand, Kate seemed to be unfazed by, <laughs> by all of that. I, I think don't a think lot that's of that, a hilly course. A lot of it has to do <laughs> with the, the training, though. I do think yeah. the, the ability to stay strong at the end of a race had to do with some of the power work that you guys did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also when you race in Austin, you race your turkey trot, you're running up Enfield. That's a hill. Captain K, that's a hill. <laughs> yeah, we've These got plenty of hills. That this we, is some mild we California. <laughs> it's like Mexican food in California. It's all mild. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So so let's back up a little bit from the details and just talk about overall challenges that you faced in this cycle gearing up for CIM where it happened early or late, mental or physical Start with you, Kate. What were some of the things you had to overcome to be ready and confident on the start line in Folsom? Yeah, um, especially at the beginning of the training cycle, I was just like really concerned that we weren't going to be doing enough work. Uh, I was like, are you sure that we don't need to like change anything, basically? Um, I think your answer was like, it will come, which it did. Um, And uh, also a huge thing was like the... During the summer, it's hot and like I could hit my paces on my on the workout days pretty usually most of the time. But during the long runs, we slowed the marathon goal pace to by 15 seconds to 630 per mile. And I could not hold 630 per mile in like my first two or three out of five long run workouts. And I was just like, okay, nothing on paper is saying that I can go for this goal. Like, am I crazy? And I was just like, well, I cannot run any faster right now. <laughs> so we're just going to have to try it. We don't have a choice. And exactly. And, you know, I knew that it would be, you know, I just wanted to try my best. And um, I really thought that I was going to like until until like a month or six weeks before the race, I thought I was going to run like 248. And I thought it was just going to be like a near miss. And I was going to have to do another cycle and like do it six months later. It's an important thing you talk about there because we do here in Texas training this summer have to operate on faith <laughs> for, 
mm-hmm. a lot of the cycle because you're having to adjust paces based on the humidity and the heat. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I give you a lot of credit for, Kate, is just trusting the process, mm-hmm. trusting that that work, even though it was quote unquote slower than the pace you were going to it ultimately target, you, you trusted that it was still doing what mm-hmm. it needed to do to get you ready. And then when we made the switch, I remember really it was for the simulator that first mm-hmm. The first time we really made that the full yeah. switch, which was end of October, right? Mm-hmm. That weekend around right before Halloween, I guess, mm-hmm. where we did a downhill course with mile repeats at the track at the end, about five weeks out from the race. And we made the switch and you just went with it, mm-hmm. uh, which to me is really impressive to just not, w- you know, to have the faith to just go for it, even though you hadn't necessarily had the work on paper that said you could do it that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, s- that faith. Mm. Yeah. Um, one thing that did encourage me was I, I've, you know, been running long enough. So I've seen other women who have run similar PRs in shorter distances to what I've done. And I've seen that they've been able to run these faster marathons. And so I'm like, I know it's possible. Um, So kind of that, like, why not me? Uh, So I did have confidence based in like what I had done in the past. And then um, also I just knew it's actually going back to the medium long run. Um, The first we worked the medium long run up from like seven to eight to the big double digits, 10. (laughs) And the first day that I did 10 miles, it was like a rainy day. I actually got up and did it before work. And I think so I couldn't take my phone. So I couldn't do any music. I couldn't do any pictures. I didn't have anybody to run with. And it was also really warm. It was like 85 with 80% humidity or something. And I remember like being in the middle of that run and being like, you know, I don't even care like what I run at CIM this year. Like I just know that I'm doing my best. And like if I can get through like the shitty days like this, then it's going to be like it, this is the work. And I know that I'm, I'm doing everything that I can do. And so it's going to be it doesn't matter what the outcome is because I'll have like the personal satisfaction of knowing that I tried. Focused on the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The process was a huge thing this year. And um, I feel like it was something that was like beat over my head through like the, I'm using the uh, compete training journal out of the believe training journal series right now. And it's just like talking about goals and using process as a framework for that. Um, that really frustrated me at first. Cause I was like, how can you have a goal if it, the goal is not like I want to run X, Y time at this race. Um, but I just tried it and it paid off because I was just focused on trying to train as well as I could and control what I could. Love it. Jesse, what about you? Challenges that you face this cycle? Um, I mean the heat also, Mm -hmm. there's no way for that to not be a challenge for you. If you're running in Texas in the summer, um, at some point you just have to put some faith in that all your work is going to come to something and you know you do a lot more effort based runs and try not to worry too much about exactly how many seconds per mile you're running um it's hard but you know we all do it you like hydrate and (laughs) run in your sports bra right and like you get it done um it was also I kind of had some mental hang-ups this year that I didn't anticipate um I knew I wanted to run more miles than I'd ever run before uh, and that was with your blessing. Like, we d- I don't, I know that's not always the recommendation for everyone. Yeah, I didn't get more miles. Well, <laughs> she had the same question, but the opposite. It was, is this too much? Uh-huh. Well, you were like, is this enough? <laughs> it's amazing as a coach how much I think about individuals and these types of questions. <laughs> and then, and then when you come at me with them, I'm like, 
do it. I got it. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it w- and it wasn't so much that I didn't think I was capable. It was just I felt like I was venturing into new territory. And I didn't necessarily have um, people running with me that were doing the same thing. Like Rogue sent so many athletes to CIM but not very many people from my particular pace group and my particular training group were training for that. So they still ran a lot of miles with me and they're still super inspiring and I love all of them. But I was like, well, shoot, I'm the only one Mm. in my pace group running this many miles. And I realized I kind of, in retrospect, I think what I was experiencing is that a lot of runners who are like adult runners just They're not getting paid to do this. They're just trying to um, do this thing that they love and fit it in in their schedule. I think it's really easy for a lot of runners to write themselves off to a certain extent without even realizing they're doing it. Like just thinking, oh, well, that kind of mileage isn't for me, right? Like sure, other people can do it, but they're faster. They're more dedicated. They're more advanced. Mm -hmm. Like I can't run that many miles or I can't do these hard workouts. But partway through the training cycle, I was like, well, I'm, but I'm, doing it like I didn't know this was available to me like you know I'm not like Boston is not a meaningful goal for me at this point in my running career so I I, you know that's kind of like a demarcation amongst marathoners um so it took a while to figure out that that's okay like I can still train at this level and I kind of didn't like I knew that but I didn't really know it until well into the training cycle you right. got to believe that you're worthy too. Exactly. Yes. And you learned that. Yes. That to me is the cool thing about what we do, which is that anybody, regardless of pace, is worthy of the same goals, same process, the same rigor of anybody else, whether they're the fastest elites to those quote unquote back of the Packers. So both of you had things also happen race week or at least kind of close to the race where you had some freak out moments jesse you had a little ankle issue that you were dealing with in the final couple of weeks talk about that and how you managed to work through that both physically and mentally oh man that was tough because this whole training cycle i was like oh my god it's working i'm so healthy like (laughs) i'm running all these miles and it's working great and then two weeks before the marathon during a long run my ankle started hurting and at first you're just like oh that's that's kind of weird I don't know what that's all about and so I asked you about it after that long run um and then it just kind of got worse um and that's when I started to panic a little bit because it was hurting on a four mile run so I was like well <laughs> how how is that gonna play out during the marathon um thankfully I had you as a resource. I was already seeing uh some folks at run labs so they were able to give me some advice and I think the weekend before the Friday, like a weekend, two days before the race, I texted you because I was crying on my bed. Like <laughs> my ankle hurts so bad. What am I supposed to do? And you told me not to do my long run that weekend. And I cried some more because <laughs> I was like, no, like the what? tears did just not like come through panic, like just total panic. My poor mother watching yeah. me cry about not being able to run. <laughs> um, and it was just it was really confusing. I didn't know what to expect from my ankle at that point. Um, so from there on, I just ran every other day and ran easy and 
it was a little disconcerting to take away the structure that I had anticipated and that clearly I like my structure. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's part of why I like training. Um, but in a way, I think it was a good thing because I had to sort of, um, I don't know if it was let go of expectations, but just know like I've done everything I can and some certain amount of this is out of my control. And that's true anytime you step up to a starting line, but it was just made a little bit more clear. Like I've, I've done literally everything I can do. I've taken care of this ankle as much as I can in the last two weeks and whatever is going to happen out there is going to happen. And I felt like my entire body and mind is ready except for like two inches of a tendon <laughs> and my yeah. ankle. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness it worked out on race day. It hurt, but not, not bad enough to slow me down and it was fine, but it, it was very anxiety producing. Oh, I know I've been there and we had to go into what I like to call as a coach, extreme taper mode. Where yeah, you're basically I, backing right. way the hell off. Yeah, you I was like, I'm aggressively tapering. You missed your final, <laughs> quote unquote, long run, which isn't that long, but you know, it's it's a little bit less structure. Plus, mm -hmm. you missed a couple workouts there in yeah. the final weeks, so you didn't get to dot every I and cross every T on the training schedule. Right, which I take so much comfort in. But right. I remember when you texted me and you said something like, "At this point, we just need to get you to the starting line." Oh my God. Like, I think you were trying to be comforting, but it like struck fear <laughs> in my heart. Um, but we got to the starting line. We got line. to the starting line. <laughs> UK got sick. You had mm -hmm. a cold you were fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't even like think about it at first. We had Thanksgiving a week before or 10 days out. And uh, my niece, uh, nieces and nephew, uh, I don't know, one or two of them were sick. And then my husband got sick. So I did think about that. I slept in it, my guest room for like three <laughs> nights in a row. Nice. Um, Sorry, Jake. But uh, <laughs> but it's okay. I think the cat went and cuddled him, so he was happy. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I just I was like, come on, like body, like you've been fine this whole time. You're really you're pulling this now. Um, but thankfully, it was early enough. It was like Monday when I started to feel bad, and the race, you know, was still seven days, six days from there. So by I think Thursday, I started feeling better. And then Friday was like the first day I felt like good. And that was the day we left. So but you even got kicked out of your final massage. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nuts. Um, yeah. My massage therapist, like, uh, well, first he sold me on the 90 minute massage. And I was like, okay, that sounds nice. Pre-race. <laughs> and then he goes, hey, I saw on your Instagram that you were sick. And I was like, oh, why am I such an oversharer? <laughs> and he actually, he told me, um, I thought he was worried about germs, but he said it's actually like, um, I guess the response, like your body, like, I don't know, the way that massage can like be healing. It's like taxing on the same system that you need to like heal from sickness and i googled it and he like i was like oh it's not just him like other <laughs> this is a thing people yeah. say this and he said he had like a client like get a massage while kind of sick and then like the next day they couldn't get out of bed so that yeah. threat was all i needed to say all right let's reschedule so I do appreciate good Smart people of Austin move. Massage Company yeah. looking out for me. I mean, shout out to Austin that's, Massage that's Company. That's really cool that yeah they have like that kind of they would pay that much attention and like care and connect with people like that. So well, I did because yeah, um, it matters. It yeah, matters. yeah. <laughs> um, I also I started my period like the I don't know a couple. Of th I think race the race was day four or something. Yeah, so I started mine the day before. At that like, point, I was hell? like, I don't wow. even care. I'm like, come at me, bro. What else you got? <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> And uh, so I you guys were both yeah. going through that during the race. Day four is like fine. If it would have been like day one or two, it might have yeah. been. So you were day one I was day or two. two. Day two. Oh my gosh. A, I mean, it's a 
but what are you what are you gonna do with that? Yeah. Kate, Kate mm-hmm. told me during the race. We talked about it. Chris was Chris was not <laughs> chatty chatty enough for yeah, my liking. We can talk about that later, but <laughs> she said something to the effect of anything you can do, I can do bleeding. That's right. <laughs> that was that it's was so the, metal. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough she did. And mm-hmm. then some. So so that was a thing too, <laughs> which is still mind boggling to me that look at us. Ladies can do that with that kind of thing happening, but uh, there's absolutely no way I can empathize. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your start line mindset. So we had a huge race weekend, 215 rogues registered for this race. I don't, I still don't know how many actually lined up. Mm. Still trying to get that information. But we had a nice pre-race talk that I led there in Sacramento. It was Show. really nice, Chris. Yes. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Yeah. Was it? Or are you just patronizing <laughs> oh, me? Oh, no, I just thought it was funny. I didn't like, mean it to say. It was a really nice talk I that I gave. I wasn't complimenting myself I, or intentionally complimenting myself. <laughs> that was just a filler word, I guess. But anyway, I gave a pre-race talk. It was cool. It was cool. <coughs> that tried to get everybody fired up. The race day itself was perfect. Perfect weather, upper 30s, low 40s, no wind. Everything lined up perfectly. Sun was out. As we stood on the start line in Folsom, the sun was coming up. It was absolutely beautiful. We're all a little bit chilly, but that's how you want to be at the beginning of a marathon. What was going through your head, Kate, as you were lined up there next to a lot of women who were also Mm -hmm. trying to get the standard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a few things. Um, One of them, I was like, oh, my goodness, so many women from Instagram are here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So gave a few (laughs) hugs, said hi to some people. Um, Do I need to pee again? definitely thought about that um wasn't able to and i was like all right i think your body's just lying to you it's gonna be okay (laughs) um i was looking for you so it's pretty easy to spot you you were right up front of the corral behind me so that was a focus and then um apparently they had this last year too but i didn't notice but the guy who played the national anthem it was like on a i guess a trombone um trumpet i think trumpet and it was the guy from cake so, but then they played, they played distance for like the song when we were like running across the starting line, which I love that song, but it wasn't live. And I was like, how do you have this guy here? <laughs> and then you play a recorded version of his song. Like, come on. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but there you go. Yep. So that that's what you were thinking about. Some total. Yeah. Nice. All of those things. Were you nervous? Scared? Yeah. Any fears? Yeah. I was nervous for sure. Um, just like. I just wanted it to start already. And I know that in a marathon, you know, you don't really, your like make or break moment is not in the first like, you know, 18 miles typically. So I knew it was kind of annoying knowing that like the good part wasn't even going to come for like another two hours. Um, (laughs) So I was excited though, antsy, you know, I wanted to get going and I knew that you, I would feel better probably once I started running. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? Um, I mean, I had some anxiety, of course, uh, but it was pretty cool since we had so many rogues there as I walked up and seated myself in the corrals like, like, hey, guys, like <laughs> you're my friends <laughs> from Austin <laughs> and just to find people, you know, at the starting line is really cool. Um, so that was pretty fun, especially because then I could pour some of my mental energy into telling them how excited I was for them, which is true. But then also it took just a little bit of <laughs> took myself out of my own head a little bit. Um, but honestly, overall, that's the calmest I've ever been on a marathon starting line. I guarantee you my heart rate was lower at the starting line than it's ever been before. Because <laughs> I just, I knew that I was 
ready, as ready as you can be. And I knew, kind of like Kate said, like, you don't really have to worry about too much, hopefully, right, um, for a couple hours. So it's like, <laughs> I just got to rein myself in the first few miles and stay calm and stay patient. Um, and actually, speaking of your talk, you said in your talk something about how you don't have to know you can do it. You just have to believe because you've done the work. And it sounds cheesy saying it out loud, but I just kept thinking like when a couple doubts would creep in, I would just say, no, I believe like yeah. I believe. And so that that phrase went through my head a lot at the starting line. So how did the race play out for you? Give us a little bit of a play by play. Um, it was great. <laughs> to some extent, it's a little bit of a blur, but in a good way. Very early on, I just, I feel like this race was characterized by patience as opposed to fear or fighting or trying to hang on. I was just like, like the first three miles are the easiest three miles I've ever run in my entire life. The first three miles of that race were just a breeze and it was beautiful and not so crowded to be stressed out by how many people are on the course. Um... And that was a lot of the race for me. It was just like, stay patient, stay calm. Um, maybe about 15 miles in, I remember thinking like, oh, starting to feel a little fatigued. Like I could just feel the miles in my legs. But I kept telling myself, this is easy. Let's keep it that way. Now, I don't, I don't know where that phrase came from, but I, mm -hmm. that, where that phrase came from, but I think I was just, I was thinking ahead a little bit and starting to wonder how I was going to feel at mile 18 or 20 or 24. And I was just telling myself like, nope, rein it back in. You're fine right now. That's all you have to worry about. Um, nailed my paces. I did slow down a little bit in the last three miles, not enough to beat myself up about at all. Um, but when I, like when I looked at my 5k splits after they're almost identical, which is crazy like the hills didn't phase me at all I know some people were like hey now this is more hills than I expected and I do remember noting that mentally but physically my legs were fine it just I mean you run in Austin yeah. you're probably ready for hills did you have to go to the well at all or was it just kind of maintained through the finish it was mostly maintained towards maybe like the last five miles I knew I was getting tired and I knew I wanted to slow down but I wasn't falling apart the way I have in the past. I didn't feel like, oh my God, it's all over. I don't know how I can go another mile. It was just like, okay, I got to focus. And I remember, well, first of all, they have this thing. I think it was a mile 20, the, the sign wall. over the, the road that says the wall, which I can't say. <laughs> Not I cool. I can't say I appreciate like a monument to <laughs> telling you you're about to experience a lot of pain. But it was, it was but supposed it was to be there. symbolic. You're supposed to be smashing through the I wall. I said something about smash the wall. Yeah. I just saw the wall. But in my head, I just went, not today. I'm with you, though. <laughs> but I like that, that mindset. But for some reason, it, I know intellectually that a lot can go wrong between mile 20 and 26. But at 20 was when I knew. I was like, nope, I got this. Nice. I'm going to be fine. And so those last five-ish miles or so, I didn't really look up and around. I just, I was just looking at the asphalt in front of me and it was just like okay jesse make it to mile 21 and then i passed 21 i was like all right 22 let's just get to 22 which is a tactic i've used when i'm dying but i wasn't dying this time it was just a way to stay focused and like cruised on into the finish line and didn't 
I w- it was amazing. I've never, I didn't, I literally did not know it was possible to feel <laughs> strong in the last six miles of a marathon. Like I've heard tales. Yeah, right. The <laughs> myth, the mythology <laughs> I is didn't, there. Right. I didn't know that was possible for me. So my overall word for the whole day is just gratitude because it was such a good experience in a way that I didn't know if that would ever be available to me. Those 12 mile runs gave you the key. That's right. Kate, you had a similarly smooth experience, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, we ran together because we had a similar goal Mm -hmm. to try to run 243 and change. Mm -hmm. We ran together for 21 miles. And for us, I mean, I'll tell you a little bit of how I was feeling. But for the most part, it was really smooth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got out. We hit our paces. We were clicking off 615 plus or minus Mm -hmm. one or two seconds pretty much the whole time until we got to 20 or 21. And it was a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when I knew it was time to send you on to a fast finish. But what was going through your head other than wanting me to talk more? <laughs> um, it was a <clears throat> um, first like three miles. I was kind of stressed. Just like, is it going to start hurting? Like, I don't know. The, the time still seemed 615 per mile still seemed crazy to me. And I knew that I had done 10 miles in training, but that's still a lot shorter. But um, I got to like mile three, four, five. I started feeling better and better every mile. I was like, this is interesting. Okay, I'll <laughs> take that. So I started to relax a lot more um, and was just, yeah, having a good time running with you. And um, I do appreciate your like very, you're, you're even keeled. And so I think my, if I would have been running by myself, I probably would have gone out faster and that might not have worked out. And um, it's a good, I feel like we're a good foil. Hopefully I encouraged <laughs> you and made you, you more, a little more excited. No, I, I loved every minute of it. Good. We also had other team rogue athletes with us yes. and people, cool. you know, from Instagram or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that we got to chat with along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, my legs started feeling tight at like 10, 11. Mm-hmm. And so I was working harder than I should have been, which is why I got quiet mainly because I was just trying to relax. Mm-hmm. And stay like in my own zone. If I, f- I felt like if I did that, then maybe it would come back to me magically. It never really did. Uh, so by 2021, 20, the legs weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And I knew you were strong. So that's why I said, you got to go. And I did everything I could at that point <laughs> to finish as strongly as I could. But my legs literally stopped working normally, which have had happened to me before. So I kind of know what that feels like. I also know what it feels like to be like what you guys had, which is to feel like you have control and power at the end. And in this case, I think my big miss was not being able to do the strength work that you guys were able to do, which because my schedule got a little bit crazy. So that caused me to miss the one thing I'd hoped to add this cycle to kind of get me to my goal that I wasn't able to add. And I think that cost me on, on that day for whatever reason, but it's all good. You know, for me, if I run 246 and have a quote-unquote bad day, that's a pretty damn good bad day, so I'll take <laughs> it. But it was awesome to see you because you, you did get stronger as we went, mm-hmm. and we were having a good time. It was fun. It didn't, you know, like we weren't really suffering at all. I mean, even me, I wasn't suffering because my breathing was fine. It's just like the legs just stopped working at some point, and then I was ready to be done. But anyway... It was kind of a storybook day, which yeah. is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Jesse said, I didn't know that it was possible to feel that good <laughs> at the end of a marathon. Yeah. And I just like, I ran so much faster than I did last year and it hurt way less. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to the finish and you got to celebrate mm-hmm. with 
one of your teammates there coming through shortly thereafter, getting mm-hmm. her OTQ as well as as well as other teammates that were there at the finish. Yeah. What was that like knowing that you got it? Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize you had it? And how did you feel in that moment and then at the finish? Mm-hmm. As early as like seven or eight, I was like, I feel really good. So unless something happens i think we can do it and then just every mile that goes by builds confidence and uh, i think like 17 i looked over at you and was like i think we're gonna do it chris like it's, <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah. and then um when i left you at 21 i it was like oh wow it's not even a question of if it's gonna happen it's how much under can i go and how fast can i go yeah well, that's the way I felt watching you leave me. <laughs> like, she's got it. And yeah. it was a good consolation because I'm good. like, damn, that feels good. That yeah. I knew you were going to get it. Good. And then how did it feel at the finish? Uh, yeah, it was, Um, I will say I practiced my uh, Shalane Flanagan, fuck yes, uh, <laughs> in the finish shoot. I practiced that like the week before on a run by myself at night. <laughs> and um, That's awesome. So let out a few of those um i did have the thought dang there's gonna be other people in my finish line photos <laughs> <laughs> unlike unlike shalane um including one woman who was collapsing yeah at the finish. it's really yeah if you see the video of I my finish that. it's like i run through like raise my hands like this like i have zero chill like that was like <laughs> it was i was like i don't care what this looks like i know i got 90th or 70th place overall but like I achieved something big. Um, yeah. And yeah, this poor this poor woman like falls next to me. And I had a few people message me and be like, well, was that girl okay? And I was like, I I mean, I assume I didn't <laughs> stop. <to laughs> Shh, there was a medical <laughs> tent nearby. I'm there. sure they took care of her. She OTQ'd yeah. by like, I think she started behind me. So she like finished. Her time was faster than mine too. Yeah. So she's fine. How um, did you feel, Jesse? Uh, the finish line? The 30-minute PR when you realized yeah, that was going yeah. down. That felt amazing. I was just so, I was, I mean, I knew, like I said, at mile 20, I was like, okay, I got this. I'm, I'm going to be fine. But still, as I, you know, you take like a left turn and a left turn, and then you see the finish line, and that's finally when I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's really happening. Yeah. <laughs> and looked at my watch and just to feel good and actually smile and it be a real a genuine smile not just like oh thank god it's it's all over <laughs> um that was that was really amazing it just felt good and then immediately the finish line bumped into teammates you know and then a few minutes later saw you and saw more teammates and it was a really cool experience to have my coach at the finish line um and like you were just beaming because overall I know not everyone had the day that they wanted out there but overall it was a good day for rogues so it was really fun just to like have that energy at the finish line too because sometimes you cross the finish line and you're like cool I guess uh walking back to my hotel now (laughs) like you're on your own kind of so it was really neat to have people there that I knew and just feel good it was amazing and you were both validated in a sense you know for you Jesse we knew this was possible for you that you could run something in the 420s but all you had was a 457 and so i know there had to be some doubt in the back of your mind well maybe i'm just not po- this is just isn't possible for me so is that true that it was like okay thank goodness like i'm validated in a sense yeah absolutely um i mean i think chicago last year was a really hard day and it was a learning experience but not in the way i wanted you know, it's like the best thing I can say about the day is it was a learning experience. <laughs> right. um, and going into CIM, I was just so, I just really hoped that it was going to put a stamp of approval on all the work I've done. Like from Chicago, I know that 
not every race day is going to go your way. Not every race day is going to correlate with your training, right? Like you talk about that sometimes. It doesn't mean you're not in shape. It just means that race day didn't go well for you. But it's still hard to reconcile that. Um, so it was really rewarding to ha- be like, yes, and I got the final stamp of approval on all this work that I've been doing. Um, and I love the work, but I'm not doing it just to do it. Like I want to train to run a marathon. I don't want to just train. So it was a big relief for sure. Um, and it was a learning experience in a good way. And I feel like it um, mentally, it unlocked something for me. I was like, okay, a marathon does not have to be this horrible experience that I've experienced so many times. Mm -hmm. It can be a good race day. Like, we all know it can go bad at any moment, but it can be a good experience. And now I'm so, I don't feel like I'm like fighting against what I want my potential to be. Now I'm like, okay, I feel like I have a really solid baseline. I know I can train good, train well. I know I can have a good race day and like what's next. Like I can't wait to figure out what's next and just hopefully keep moving on up. (laughs) Oh yeah. The UK now, I think you're one of 266 women that have qualified for the Olympic trials. That sounds like a lot for the trials, but it's not a lot of women in this country of Mm -hmm. 250 million people or however many there are in the U.S. So it's a big deal. And Mm -hmm. so for you as somebody who's identified, whose identity has been about running at a competitive level for a long time, does it validate you as well in that sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it was something I thought I could do from kind of following the path of like other women that I've known in rogue. Um, and there's other like women that I ran against in college that have started road racing now. Um, but you still have to do it <laughs> just cause you think you can, doesn't mean you you've done it. So that felt good. Um, it's interesting. I still don't think it's like the f- most impressive, like physical feat that I've ever accomplished. I feel like my five K PR was like harder to hit. And so, um, I'm, definitely proud of it just because it was a goal that took so much time and consistency to get to it but of course like I don't want to stop there and uh you know if you make 11 minutes improvement in a year and then you feel good your whole training cycle and you feel good during your race it's like yeah there's there's definitely more out there for sure (laughs) (laughs) actually now we're done it's been fun Uh, (laughs) thanks Chris we've got more but in some ways it's 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 hard to get more because mm-hmm. you know for both of you i mean i've seen as a coach i've seen athletes get big goals accomplish big goals and then find it hard to get to that next level because you had all this motivation driving you to that one thing that matters and then when you get it sometimes it's hard to find that next thing that matters mm-hmm. so it's not a trivial set of next steps now as your coach I'm confident <laughs> that you guys will both navigate it well, mm-hmm. given that you're so mentally strong and and you're so good at putting in the work. But in some ways, it's harder to have gotten the goal. As we talked about a little bit, Kate, mm-hmm. you know, now the path is a little bit more undefined. You know, if you yeah. hadn't quite gotten it, if you'd run a 248, that mm-hmm. would have been awesome, a big step forward, but you still would have needed to go get the standard. Mm-hmm. So we would have had to go back in the spring or fall mm-hmm. and do it again. And, we, and that would have been... An, in some ways an easier path because we wouldn't have known what it looks like. Now mm-hmm. you've got to figure out, okay, now what do I want with this crazy thing called the marathon and right. what I want to do in 2020 in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I have thought about it. So, um, 
Uh, I, what I did want to say first too, there's something about, you know, like when you hit a big goal, um, it's like a pet peeve of mine when people say, they talk about their athletes and they're like, oh my gosh, they did so well. And they're just getting started. I'm like, <laughs> no, can you recognize that that person spent like 18 months or like even longer on this one goal? Like even if they never did anything else with their running, like this would be an impressive achievement. So I'm super proud of myself. Oh yeah. Super proud of Jesse. Um, so I think that's how I weather that, like, what's next is I'm like, well, it doesn't, I don't even have to do anything next if I don't want to. Like, what I just did was so impressive. It's not going to be enough forever, but, like, <laughs> this is, I'm, it's I'm, true. like, you it, don't it have was, to want more. it was a means, it was, like, a step along the way. Like, I didn't want this to be my last marathon, but if something happened and I couldn't ever run another one, then, like, I would say that's a pretty good note to end on. So that's how I protect myself against that. But um, I also do think it's great to want more. And I've started to think that that's like a blessing that runners have that mindset that you always want more. I used to think like, that sucks. Like you're never happy with what you accomplish. Like, shouldn't you just like settle down? And I know I kind of just argued that, but <laughs> it's um, if you look at it, it's just the growth mindset. Like you want to be better. Um, that's a blessing that you have that drive. So I think you can be both. You can be happy with what you achieved and then also have more goals. So I don't have anything specific. I want to, it's like, I mean, if I got to do everything I would, I want to run track again. I want to run trail. Like I want to run more USA championship road races. I've never been able to enter them because I haven't been fast enough. So I'm ready. And now <laughs> I can. Um, and I think if you're, I mean, apparently not a super exclusive club now, but um, if you have this like standard by your name, you're an Olympic trials qualifier, you can potentially get more support for like traveling to races and that's a huge reason why i don't race outside of austin more um and that's i think that would help me be really competitive because it's really hard to race when you have like two or three other women in your race and like the closest you get second place and like first place is three minutes in front of you you know that's not a race so we have some fast women here but not like all at the same level so i don't get much head-to-head competition here Going to the USA road circuit would certainly provide that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm not like at the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I've never done any of them. Um, But but a lot of those races have main fields as well. Yeah. So so there's always the open group coming at you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. uh, Yeah. I don't think I know a lot of people who ran around when I ran want to run. Another marathon before the trials to hit the A standard, which is, I don't even know, 237, 238? 237. Seven. Sub 237. So I haven't felt that calling to me right now. I kind of don't care. Like, I feel like I ran fast enough. And the race at the trials is not going to be who can time trial. It's going to be who can actually, that, that is going to be a more head-to-head race, I, I would imagine. So yeah. I don't think that I need to have, like, a better pedigree. I'm already good enough to be in that field. Well, yeah. And Unless you and want me to. Maybe well, we, I, mean, I can run No, one. I mean, <laughs> as your coach, I would say I could care less about running another marathon between now and the trials. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a question of what do you want from the trials? Mm-hmm. And then we can work backwards to what you need. But I think working yeah. on other things actually would get you to a better position to place highly at the trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then because the marathon is just so disruptive to training. Exactly. You know, exactly. getting you a yeah. 236 wouldn't necessarily be the best thing to get you to the highest place at the trials itself. So anyway, so we can talk about that more offline, but to me it's Mm -hmm. a cool problem to have that you have Mm -hmm. this ability to basically do what you want Mm -hmm. until 
September or so of next year when we have yeah. to start thinking about yeah. the trials itself. Yeah, I've enjoyed the like the piety of marathon training. Where <laughs> you're like, I never race except for twice a year, <laughs> and like I always train long runs, and like that's it's been fun. But I'm also excited about like I love doing shorter races because you can do so many more. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you're good at it. We need to go back and scratch <laughs> that itch because right. it'll help you run a fast trials. For you, Jesse, what do you think about as the future what do you want to what do you want to do now even if you don't have a super defined goal what does it look like for you you think um i mean i think i still have a lot of room to grow both in the marathon and at some shorter distances it would be fun to test out my speedier side and see how that goes um i mean i want to run another marathon in 2019 i don't know which one yet i'm not too terribly worried about figuring out which one yet you know, just that's healthy. The signups are <laughs> flying already, though. I'm they are. <laughs> they're crazy. I'm but like, <laughs> be patient. I'm be patient. Like, You're good. I got time. Um, I mean, I know I love training, so I don't mind having an extended training cycle until my next marathon. I don't know. I'd rather just work on my overall fitness rather than get back to another marathon immediately. Uh, long term, my big scary goal is just breaking four hours in the marathon. I don't know how long that will take. Like, we'll see. I just want to keep training with that in the mind, but you can only rush that so much. Well, you took 30 minutes off this time, <laughs> so you take another 30 minutes. It's Come all on. linear, right? No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> just another 30 minutes. That's what I'm counting uh, on. I'm like, I can do 11. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the process. So the journey continues. I mean, that's the yeah. magic of it to me is that if you focus on the process, focus on what you can learn from the journey, the outcomes are important still, but they become less important as milestones along the way, right? You know, for me as a athlete, about f five years I got to a place where I realized that I could be content never PRing again in the marathon. But also knowing that I wanted to really badly still point being that I was in this happy place of look I'm, I'm on a journey I don't care if it ever results in another marathon PR I believe it will and I'm gonna work my ass off to see it through but it's okay if it doesn't because I just love the journey and fortunately I did PR <laughs> in January of this year so and I've had a couple of PRs in the marathon since then but it's a nice place to be where the journey in some ways for me is more important than the outcomes, even though the outcomes still really matter to me. And to be able to marry those two things together, I think is a really powerful combination. As we conclude, or I've got a couple more quick things. One, I want to talk about body image because I know both of you talk about this on your Instagram very openly. And I appreciate that as a guy who in some ways also struggles with some of the same things, you know, I'm not, I'm skinny quote unquote by the world's definition, but I'm not as lean as a lot of athletes in our world, certainly that are running the paces that I run. And so I struggle a lot with it personally. I've also, I think pushed myself into stress fracture by restricting calories too much and losing too much weight before races. And so I've gotten to a place where I stopped, thinking about it, worrying about it, just trying to be strong and feel good about myself and do the work and sort of let 
my weight fall where it may where it may. How do you guys approach that topic in your head? I know this is tricky to talk about, but I respect and admire both of you in terms of how you handle this in your own world. So I would just love to hear that. And I know the audience would as well. We'll start with you, Kate. Yeah. So um, I care a lot less about how I look when I'm running well. And so it's like almost like catch 22. So if I'm like not running well, then I'm focusing on it a lot. And I feel like that's when you, mm, that's when you, yeah. When you start like doing things like trying to restrict calories or just like thinking about it all the time and feeling bad about it. So, um, in this build, I just tried to remind myself like, Hey, you're doing everything that you want to do as a runner. Like you're hitting all of your goals. And so, you know, like let that be more important to you when those thoughts come. And then, um, after a while, like further on in the training cycle, I was like, holy cow, like I'm doing all of this. And like, it doesn't, yeah, I really, it really, yeah, it's, it, I didn't care how I looked anymore. And it was like a point of pride at that point. Cause I was like, heck yeah. Like my, you know, I can't, I couldn't run in spandex all summer because of like the humidity and my thighs would chafe. <laughs> and I ran, you know, 50 mile weeks in my loose shorts and like, that's awesome. So, um, a second thing I did, I did work more like, I would say tactically on like my body comp this fall. So I'd never been at a place where I thought I should like work on that in the last few years. But this year I was like, you know what? I think it's like, I want to like, don't leave any stones um, unturned before CIM. So if this is an area for improvement, like let's look at it and let's like get some help. So I did a DEXA scan, which is a body composition. Um, it's like bone density and like fat and I think muscle, a few other things. I did that in maybe September and um, had like a number that I would say is comparable to what I had in college, but a little bit higher for like uh, body fat. And so I was like, I feel like that's like a healthy margin to improve on. And so I talked to a nutritionist and um, it was like <laughs> her main feedback. I thought she was going to be like, okay, so like, here's your macros, really scientific carbs, protein. And she was just like, um, okay, looking at your food logs, you could probably like eat less like pizza and tacos and chocolate. And <laughs> that's the only improvement I think you need. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, like, is that it? <laughs> but, um, so I didn't really make any changes, um, then, but probably like six or eight weeks out, I just like started like paying more attention and um it's probably not something that i would like to do continuously because it just makes you think about food all the time um but i just ate less junk food <laughs> surprise and uh, i lost three pounds of fat so i did a dexa scan again like the week before the marathon and then that was the result so i don't know if that helped or anything um it made me feel good that i was being like proactive and it did make me like instead of being like why can't i be skinny like everyone else this is so hard it did make me realize like okay like if you want to like three pounds is like not very much in my opinion. I'm like, I went, I feel like forsook so much junk food for three pounds. Like I would have just <laughs> eaten the junk food. Um, but it was good to know that that was like your like trade in value. So it's like, instead of like in the past, I was always like, well, guess we'll never know. Like this was like, okay, if you try really hard, you could get a little leaner. And then like, this is your, this is how it feels when you're, at Chewy's and you're not eating the chips <laughs> like that sucks so yeah. I think that it was it was a good experiment it I'm not sure if I would bother doing it again but I didn't want to have that like regret so it was empowering for sure but you weren't stepping on a scale otherwise right nope I don't have a scale um so I know I didn't yep. the, the the DEXA weighs you 
Yeah. So that was it. That's how I found out. Also, I have like 99% bone density, so pretty proud of that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Strong. Mm-hmm. All right, for you, Jesse. Um, I mean, my whole journey with running has been pretty intertwined with body image. Um, I mean, again, this is such a big question, but I could also talk about it for days. Uh, but really, I've just found... One of the biggest gifts I have gotten from running is realizing that when I focus on feeling healthy and strong, that I am so much happier. Like I'm in such a better mental space. I don't count my calories or my macros because although that can be a great tool when I do it, I, my mind starts to spiral and it turns into a very unhealthy behavior. So if I can just take the emphasis off of what I look like and instead focus on how I feel because that that's part of what I love about running like when you're out there on a Saturday long run and you just get lost in the miles and you're having a conversation with your friends and then you kind of look down and you're like well shoot I've already run 10 miles like what that's that's such a gift and not everyone gets to have that and I would just much rather focus my energy on that than on what I look like and that's not to say I don't have my bad days um you know I'm a champion for women's empowerment and body positivity and running in your sports bra if you want to I still have days where I'm like man I just I don't feel good I don't like how I look today but I still walk in to rogue and I run in my sports bra and shorts because it doesn't matter like I can look at the mirror and say I don't really like how I look today and that's okay it's like that is just not the most important thing about me Um, and running gives me, um, I don't know, I guess it's just a way to channel that same energy of wanting to improve myself, but in a much healthier way. And that's not about what anyone else thinks about how I look. Preach that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's interesting too, that we define ourselves as humans by weight sometimes. I know I can be guilty of that at times. We also define ourselves by our PRs, which while that's a cool metric and improving by 30 minutes and 11 minutes is exciting and super proud of that. You're also not defined by your PRs, which is also something that's important to remember, even though it is a part of the journey that we're on. But as your coach, I just want to say, and then I would love to get final thoughts from you guys about lessons you would like the audience to take away from this conversation. I just want to say I'm so proud of both of you. It's super fulfilling for me to have people like you who trust me with your goals. And I take it so personally, it becomes, you know, I feel like my goal at the same time. And I have that with all of my athletes where if you fail, I fail kind of a thing. And so it's super exciting to see you get it. It's also fulfilling for me to be inspired by your journeys, you know, for you to miss it last year, not get what you wanted in Chicago, but to stay with it, to keep working, to keep doing the work, to keep trusting that it's going to come if you could do the work. For you, Kate, to not have this, this long resume of marathon type of work, but to just trust the process, realize that, hey, if I do the work without overdoing it or pressing that I'm going to get it done and then to do it and to have the confidence and faith that you can do that. It's just, it's inspiring and it means so much to me 
to be able to share your stories too because you know as excited as i am about you getting an olympic trials qualifier kate i'm as excited about your 30 minute pr jesse and of course all the results that rogues got and that to me is the magic of what we do it's not necessarily about the exact pace you're running it's about the journey that you're on and the life change that comes with it and so to me this is just really cool opportunity for others to hear about that final thoughts from you guys if you wanted the audience to have a takeaway from either your journey or this conversation we'll start with you kate i'll put you on the spot what would you like to tell the world as we wrap here well something i've really enjoyed from this conversation like um i feel like we've there's been times we've just been grinning like the Cheshire cat at each other. We're just like, <laughs> you did so good. You did so good. <laughs> um, was that what Jesse and I had in common? And that's something I uh, like it literally in our training um, that we did the same workouts and even similar mileage, actually, even in lifting, like uh, our PRs were really similar. Like there were some lifts I never tested on. I was like, what's your, I'll just do your weights, Jesse. <laughs> like it worked. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I just like that. Yeah. You can bring, um, different super different backgrounds and different goals and different paces and really just like put your faith in the system and put your faith in your own like work that you're doing and get a good result and i think that it's it's like the training like the stimulus isn't even that important it's just like that you're that you're training and that you're trying to get better and it's going to happen jesse uh yeah i think i think the biggest thing that i want people to walk away with is something I touched on earlier, which is like, just don't write yourself off. If you, you don't have to work this hard. If you don't want to, that's fine. If you just do whatever works for you. But if you wonder if you can work hard, if you are curious what would happen, if you tried those hard workouts and if you increased your mileage and if you did all the long runs, like try it, like go for it. You don't just because whatever your paces are, that doesn't matter. You still have room for improvement. And that's, that's what I find so rewarding. And that's like what I want to drill into everyone's heads is you, you can work hard too, if you want to. Hell yeah. (laughs) On that note, we'll wrap it up. Jesse, well said. That's what we're all about here. Certainly at rogue here in Austin, but that's what we preach the podcast group. And so hopefully somebody out there listens, hears it and gets to work next. So anyway, audience thank you for listening jesse kate thank you for joining me this has been awesome and of course you can check us out for those listening at roguerunning.com follow us on instagram twitter or facebook until next time we'll talk to you soon